Well, welcome again. I'm glad that you're here with us today. Uh, it's the beginning of the Advent season. If you don't know what Advent means, it just means coming. And so it's a long-held tradition that we celebrate the four weeks um, before Christmas as the coming of Christ. Even though Christ has come, we believe Christ continues to come with us each day. And I cannot, is it too late to say Happy Thanksgiving too? Because, you know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. It's, it's sometimes in the year you get to celebrate Thanksgiving the week after, and sometimes Advent starts, and this is one of those years that's like that. Well, I hope your Thanksgiving was good. Um, I had a, a very eventful Thanksgiving. We, uh, my husband and my son and I and um, several of our very, very dear friends went, drove to Big Bend. How many of you have ever been to Big Bend before? Oh, isn't it gorgeous? I just love it. Of course, I'm a fan of sort of the desert and dry weather, so I just love it. I love the mountains, and I love how many stars you can see at night. You just don't get that here um, with the city. And so we went to Big Bend. We camped, and we canoed 34 miles on the, on the Rio Grande, and um, that took three days, two nights, uh, sleeping in the river. I mean, not sleeping in the river. <laughs> that would be stupid. We slept in a tent on the side of the river. Um, yes, I did tuck my canoe in the river once, I'm, I'm afraid to say, but we didn't lose anything in that tump. My husband, who was also with me in the canoe, was smart enough to kind of hold the canoe down in the water and he kept everything in it and we, we captured everything that we lost. So we just got wet and cold, but it wasn't too bad. Um, so that was kind of an adventurous time. We drove back on Wednesday and then I made pies for Thanksgiving Wednesday night. And then Thursday, we got up and drove to Whitney, where we had Thanksgiving with my husband's family. That was lots of fun. We played games and ate, and you know all the craziness of family. And we did that Wednesday or Thursday, and then um, Friday, we drove back and, um, you know, had a bit of a normal evening. And then Saturday morning, we got up early and drove to Grayford to help some good friends of ours move. Um, they didn't really have anybody else to help them, and it was holiday week, so a lot of people were gone. So we were like, you know what, we're going to help you. So we took a truck and a trailer out there and helped them. So as we're driving down the road, I told Jean, I said, you know what? I'm tired. It's been a week. It's been a week of fun and, I mean, so much stuff, but I'm just pooped. And I said, so tomorrow, meaning Sunday, I'm going to go do my stuff at church. I just got a host pastor. That's easy breezy, you know. <laughs> you see where this is going. So <clears throat> I said, and then the rest of the day is just for rest. Tomorrow is for rest. And I mean, two minutes later, I get a phone call that says, guess what? Pastor Shea is sick, Pastor David is sick, and we need you to preach. I was like, so much for that rest, God. I see how you work. But isn't that how God works? You know, just about the time you make a plan, then God says, oh, that was funny, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you go ahead and make that plan. So um, today, while I was making room for rest, today we're going to make room for God to work. Um, because then the other thing that happened was we got home at 11 o'clock last night, okay? And you know when you've been moving all day, it's exhausting. I was like, I'm not writing a darn thing right now. And I didn't have my computer with me during the day. So I was like, I'm just going to go to bed, get up early and work on it. And then I got a call this morning that Pastor Sharon too was sick. So I had to go be at the 815. So basically I wrote a sermon about an hour ago. I hope it works out. <laughs> <clears throat> We are really leaving some room for God to work in the midst of this. So um, this Advent season, as a church, we are focusing on sort of the, th the theme of the hymn, Joy to the World. Did you know that that is the most popular 
Christmas hymn, Joy to the World? It sure is, yeah. It's probably not the most popular Christmas song. I, I think Rudolph the Rain, Red-Nosed Reindeer probably gets that one, would be my guess. But um, it's the most popular Christmas hymn. Now, it's sort of an unlikely hymn because it's based on a psalm, and psalms tend to be sort of more melancholy. They're very expressive of what a person was going through. Um, A lot of times they're very lamentful, so they're just kind of expressing sorrow, sad, anger, frustration at God. That's why I love them, because they're very real. Um, Sometimes they're expressing joy too, but so this one was written by um, Sir um, Isaac Watts um, in... Uh, No, I don't even know. 1719, that's what it was. And because it was 400 years ago, right? Is that 400? Yeah, something like that. 400, 500, I don't know. And um, so he wrote it and put it in a songbook, but it wasn't meant to be a hymn. Well, then along a little bit later, uh, a composer, an American composer, uh, Lowell Mason in 1848 sort of turned it into a hymn. He took some of the music from Handel's Messiah and pieced it together and made this beautiful hymn that we now all sing today here in America, and it's the most popular Christmas hymn. So... Um, 1848, when Mr. Mason was writing this and putting it together to make it a beautiful hymn, was sort of a time of unrest in in America, which is where he was. Um, That was sort of the beginning of a lot of unrest about slavery. Um, There was beginning to be a lot of division around that. And yet he wrote this beautiful song about joy, about celebrating life, about celebrating the coming of Christ that came and is coming again. So I I love that because I think that's sort of the epitome of what joy is about. Because joy is not just being happy, right? We know what happy is, you know, when you're having a good day and you feel happy. But joy is deeper than that. Have you experienced joy? And usually you know joy when you can have joy in the midst of of difficulty. So um, in that hymn, one of the lines says, let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room. And so that's sort of to me what Christmas is all about. It probably should be what all year is about, but we really focus on it in Christmas and making room in our heart for Christ because that's how we find joy despite circumstances because we are assured that God is in control, that God has been fulfilling the promises that God promised from the very beginning for thousands of years now. God continues to fulfill those promises, fulfilled them in Jesus Christ for us about 2,000 years ago, and God continues to fulfill those promises now. This is what Advent is all about, making room for that to happen in your heart. So how do we prepare room? Well, I would suggest some obvious things to you. Perhaps we buy a little less. We shop a little less. We do a little less during the Christmas season. I'm giving you permission to say no to some parties. I'm giving you permission to maybe not buy quite as much, to maybe not stress over it quite as much, to maybe even hear this, not cook quite as much. I know you out there and you're freaking out. You're like, but we have to have the turkey and the dressing and the whatever it is that comes with that. But you really don't. 
If you know, are you familiar with the story of Mary and Martha in um, the New Testament where they come, they greet Jesus in their home, there's two sisters, and they greet Jesus in their home, and while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha's in the back cooking and prepping and cleaning and doing all the stuff, and she gets mad. She says, Jesus, look at her. She's just sitting here at your feet while I'm doing all this hard work, and he says, she's doing what needs to be done right now. That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes because we think, well, we have to cook this and we have to do this. And well, we've done this for years and years, so we have to do this thing. You know what? You really don't. I give you permission to say no to stuff this year. And when you do that, when you give yourself a little bit of reprieve, it sort of opens the door to allow a little bit more joy into your heart, allow a little bit more Jesus into your heart. It allows room for that to happen especially when you can find a little bit of time of rest, right? A little bit of, oh God, one of my most treasured memories is when um, the kids were little and I'm a huge music fan and so I'm a really huge Christmas music fan. So I have this awesome playlist that's just so eclectic. It's got every Christmas song you could think of by all the artists and um, it's really awesome. So I just love playing it all. I mean, I started it two weeks ago. I'm one of those. I started it two weeks ago because it just makes me happy. It brings me so much joy. And so one of my favorite memories is sitting on the couch with both my kids and we were just looking at the Christmas tree. There was a fire in the fireplace. I know it sounds just amazing, doesn't it? And we were just sitting there, and we'd been talking and I think reading books, and then they just both kind of fell asleep, and I was just sitting there enjoying that moment. I mean, that moment has stuck with me for a long time, not because we were doing anything, but because we were just resting. We were just in that moment of enjoying the light, enjoying the moment, enjoying the music, enjoying each other's presence. And that, y'all, that is what God calls us to do. And we get so busy just doing all the stuff that even at Christmas time when we should be most focused, we tend to lose sight of that and we, we're not making any room for Christ in our hearts. Listen, joy is hard to find sometimes and uh, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, you know what, I don't have a lot of joy right now. There's bad stuff going on in my life. I'm fighting off a disease. Somebody I know is dying. I just lost a loved one. I'm hurting. There's family conflict. Whatever it is, there's a lot of you that are sitting there thinking, I don't know what the heck she's talking about. There is no joy to be found right now. And I get it. I've been there too. And I look to people who have been just recently a really great example of joy for me. A couple of women I know, one who is a member of our church, her name is Dee, and then another friend of mine, Ginger, both fighting just a really hard form of breast cancer. One that just keeps coming at you, keeps coming at you, and you gotta keep changing protocols and changing treatment plans to sort of deal with that. And man, if there's anything just defeating, it's that, right? It's not only am I fighting this disease, but I feel bad because of all the treatments and the disease itself. And, you know, it's just, it's hard. And yet both of these ladies, while being real, right, they're, they're authentic and they share the bad times and the hard times, but in the midst of it, they still have joy, they still have this sense of peace because they know Jesus. They know that God continued to, that God made promises in the beginning and he continues to answer them. He did answer them. He is answering them and he will continue to answer them. God is with us and for us at all times. And in the midst of that, if these people that are fighting this disease 
so hard and so much to maybe not be thankful for, they're finding gratitude, they're finding joy, and they're finding peace. And if they can do it, then you can do it and I can do it. They really have been an example to me in that. You know, Rick Warren, um, pastor in California, wrote The Purpose Driven Life that you may be familiar with, said this about joy. He said, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. It's a choice, friends. It's a choice. It doesn't just happen to you. You choose to find joy. You choose to make room for Christ so that you can continue to find joy. It's based on hope. It's based on confidence. It's based on what we know God has done through Jesus Christ. It's based on the way that we experience God in our life. You know, a, a friend of mine the other day said, you know, I had this girl that she, she had her kids baptized and then she said to me, you know, I just did that because I thought I was supposed to, but I don't really think I believe in God. How do you believe in God? I mean, that's so out there. And I thought, well, there are a lot of people that feel that way because they don't have this scientific answer that they need. But you know what? I've experienced God. I've felt God's presence. I've found peace in the midst of chaos and joy in the midst of pain. And that's how I believe in God because I continue to experience it over and over. But I do that out of choice. I choose to find those experiences. I choose to recognize God in the places all around us. I'm one of those people I say, God is always at work around us, always. Always talking to you, always guiding you. It's us that fail to listen. We just have to open our ears and open our heart to that. You know, um, the other thing is that not only do we need joy, but the people around us need joy. I mean, can I get an amen on that? Because let's think about the world and the craziness. Boy, I bet some of you had some fun discussions over the holidays with your family and friends about politics. And, well, maybe you just didn't bring it up. That was probably a smart thing to do. Um, but... You know, it's just crazy, and I just think all the time, people are so angry and so high-strung and agitated. They need this joy, too, and it's our jobs to share that joy with them, to share the hope of Christ that we have in with them. Um, you know, newscasts, um, if you'll notice, what do they always end with? Uh, you know, it can be just terrible, 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 terrible news. The very last story is always what? Good, right. It's always good news at the end. Why do you think they do that? Because we need it. If, we, if they ended with bad stuff, even though the whole thing is bad news, bad news, bad news, if they just end with that one good news at the end, we feel a little, little bit more hopeful. Guess what? Your friends need to know the good news. They need to see the joy in you. They need to see the sense of peace that you have in the midst of craziness. They need to see that and experience that. John Wesley said, preach. And if you have to, use words. He was talking about preaching using your life. Your life is your testimony. Your life, how you live, how you find these two women, Dee and Ginger, who have just made me realize what, what joy and peace I can find in the midst of this crazy thing that they're fighting. They're an example. Their life is preaching to me. Your life can be preached to others. You don't have to say fancy words. You don't have to be a preacher. Use your life to preach to others and bring that hope and room to them. So the Advent words that we tend to focus on 
um, during the four weeks of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. These are the words that capture people's hearts, not in the words themselves, but in how you live out hope, peace, joy, and love. When you live your life out of those, people will see that in you. You've seen those people. You know them. You just see something different. They've got this weird kind of joy and in a circumstance where they shouldn't have joy. You know them. That, that's what people need to see and they need to hear. We don't need to be like the inn in the Bethlehem story. You remember the inn and the innkeeper? They had no room, no room. They were inflexible, no spot, no place to go. So Jesus was born out in a stable because there was no room at the end. We need to be the ones that open our hearts with that room. Find some place for rest, for sitting, for being still. Say no this season so that you can have that, that room for God to infuse your heart and your life and find joy. I promise it'll happen. I mean, I'm sure of this. Listen, I'm not sure about a lot of things about God. There's a lot of questions I got when I get to heaven. I mean, I got a list. I'm like, okay, God, you got to tell me about this, this, and this. But this is one thing I I just know. I know it with my heart and soul. If you make room for God, God will show up. God will show up every single time. Be intentional about it. Let your life speak and preach. Make room for Christ this season and God will show up, I promise you. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we just thank you that you always show up, that you are always here. We ask God that you would help us find room for you this season, that every single person in this room would make a little extra space for you, that they would give up something, that they would make a new habit, that they would stop doing something, whatever it takes, Lord, to make a little extra room for you. And we know, God, that you will show up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.